Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 226 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. No I as Sumra with me this week. No Eddie Chambers with me this week. I am riding solo on what has been quite a problematic week, actually, for the podcast, to say at the least. So I am alone. If you can, stick with me for the duration of the show. It will really mean the world to me. Like I say, episode 226. We're going to have two guests on this week's show, as per usual. Those two guests will be Jesse Vargas and Isaac Lowe, both men obviously out there in the States at the moment. Um, Isaac Lowe, the interview with him is a little bit um, a little bit distorted. The sound is a little bit echoey. It's not as bad as last week's one with Gerald Washington, but I just want to apologise in advance for that. It is going to be the second and final interview, but of course, up until that point, everything is good. So um, I hope that you guys all enjoy this podcast once again let's get it underway let's start with the review part of the show i'm going to try my very best to whiz through all of this as quick as possible just to get straight to the interviews Uh, let's start though in the ews arena in baden-württemberg germany over here firat arslan um 47 and 9 now with three draws he took on kevin Lorena, the south african obviously the fight took place at cruiserweight it was for the ibo world cruiserweight weight title um, a TKO win in the sixth round there for Kevin Lorena now what's impressive about this is obviously Kevin Lorena you know a guy that's had it kind of tough to be honest with you you know the South African fighters they are guys that have to you know do a lot of of, of the self-promotion themselves they don't really get thrown lots and lots of opportunities but he's a top top fighter you know he took his only loss in his career back in 2014 he lost on on points to Johnny Muller um, obviously they had the rematch I think it was a year or two later and he was able to stop Muller in that fight so he avenged the only loss he had you know along the way he's obviously beaten the likes of Dimitro Kucha who I remember knocking out Enzo Macronelli at York Hall um, you know he beat the likes of Sefa Seferi and Arthur Mann who was a prospect as well and um, yeah he knocks out Firat Arslan here and even though Firat Arslan is 49 years of age he's probably the best 49 year old there is in boxing you know he's a tough tough guy guy and it's been a while since he's lost you know he's 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 obviously not the fighter he used to be because age does catch up but it's been five and a half years since he last lost the fight and that one was a world title fight against Yon Pablo Hernandez who I'm guessing a lot of people probably listening to me now would would forget about he was a quality fighter that retired very prematurely but um yeah you know that was that was his last loss so five and a half years ago since then he hasn't had the best spell of opponents but he's been beating people he's been knocking most of them out and um yeah it's kind of shocking really to see him lose but it is what it is that could be the end of the road there for Firat Arslan a good win for Kevin Lorena now 25 and 1 
Um, moving out now to the Discoteca Memphis in Madrid, Spain. Over here, friend of the show, Anthony Yard, eighteen and one. Now eight, oh, sorry, now nineteen and one. That was his twentieth fight there. A TKO in two rounds against Diego Ramirez, who's now four and forty-nine with three draws. Um, not really sure the point of the fight. I think it's so that Yard can quickly pick up a win so that you know he can fight for a title in his next fight that's that's you know that's the rules in place but um you know i mean a terrible terrible choice of opponent obviously a very quick knockout for anthony yard a little quick a little quick um you know flight out to spain got the job done early and i'm sure he was straight back um yeah you know it is what it is but it's it's a little bit distasteful it went under the radar but because it's you know just just the volume of the mismatch that that it is you know you look at that on paper this guy was coming off about six or seven consecutive losses you know he, he never in a million years should have been in the ring with Anthony Yard but it is what it is I don't really begrudge Yard for doing what he did he's he's looking for a big fight real soon I'm sure he's going to be you know right back in um, you know in a big fight in the very near future I think that was basically a fight that. You know, if he would have won his last fight, obviously he'd have been a world champion because it was against Kovalev. But, you know, if if he'd have won a non-title fight, he probably wouldn't have had that little fight there before he had another big fight. That little fight there was purely just to get him back to winning ways so, you know, so he can be selected for for, for fighting for a title of whatever level that title will be is um, is yet to be yet to be seen. But all the best to Anthony Yard. Moving out now to the Sheffield Arena in Sheffield, of course, Yorkshire United Kingdom. Let's start here with the undercard um I'm going to start here with Dave Allen. He was able to pick up a KO in round three against Dorian Dark Fruits Darch. It is Strongbow, by the way, Dark Fruits. I was a little bit confused on last week's show. It is Strongbow. It's a delightful drink. Dorian Darch was down twice in the third round. Um, I think that's it for Dorian Darch. I think he retired after the fight, and that's that's what he probably should have done. He probably shouldn't have even really took the fight. It, it was just kind of a last little ditch payday, I guess. Um, but, yeah, another win there for Dave Allen it looked a little bit strange the first couple rounds came out trying to box and move didn't really seem to suit him but um you know Dorian Darch wasn't really offering anything back so Dave Allen could have put both arms behind his back and still probably you know looked all right in the first two rounds um Moving up the card once again, Martin J. Ward picked up a 10th round points win against Jesus Amparas, or Amparan, I should say. Amparan um, had had a decent record, 16-1. and I think he had about 14 KOs. He was down in the 7th round. He was down again in the 10th round. A really, really tough guy, you know. He showed tons and tons of heart. He was really hurt from the shots that put him down, you know, especially the, the shots that he took to the body. He took a lot of shots to the body, and, um, you know, he really had to bite down on the gum shield to get back up. I was quite surprised he did get back up, but he deserved to hear the final bell, and he certainly did. So, um, yeah, credit to Amparan. Now 16-2, and two, but Martin J. Ward, obviously, still closing in on a world title shot, perhaps. Now 24-1 and one with two draws. Talking of world titles and closing in, Terry Harper became the second lady to beat Eva Wallstrom. Obviously, her, her one loss previously was to Katie Taylor. Her record, by the way, now is 24 Three and two with two draws. Terry Harper was able to unanimously beat her on points over ten two-minute rounds. Wallstrom was down in the seventh round. It was for the WBC and IBO World Super Featherweight titles. Terry Harper now 
10 and 0 and obviously a legit world champion obviously the IBO not really considered one of the big 4 and by the way Terry Harper becomes one or, or sorry the number 1 the first um British female to actually win a you know a version of the big four world titles that being the WBA the WBO the WBC and the IBF she's the first lady in British boxing history to win one of those four in the ring now a lot of people will probably hear that and say hang on a minute what about Katie Taylor obviously not British what about um Jane Couch back then she was fighting for you know, belts that weren't the IBF, WBA, WBC, or WBO. And some people are going to say, all right, Nicola Adams, she didn't win the belt in the ring. So that's all. You can disclude all of those out of what I've just said. Terry Harper is the first British lady to, to, to actually win one of the big four titles, you know, in the ring. Um, so credit to Terry Harper, credit to her. She's out now celebrating. I think she's took her whole family away on holiday. Great to see. Uh, moving up the card once again, Kid Galahad picked up a win now, 27-1. and um, A win against Claudio Marrero, who was a good fighter, actually. 24-4 and now, Marrero. Um, his corner pulled him out, I think it was. I don't think he retired on his story. It's down as a retirement. I think it was the corner that, that threw the towel in, if I'm not mistaken. Can't really remember now. My memory is so poor. But um, Kid Galahad looked really, really good. Really, really good. Um, in fact, I think... No, I think they did stop it in the corner, actually, didn't they? If I remember correctly. But, yeah, you know, he looked really good, Kid Galahad. You know, definitely one of those fighters that you, you say does all the basics well, but nothing spectacular. He does everything well, to be honest with you. I don't think there's there's really a weakness in his game. His defense is fantastic. Once he gets you hurt, you know he he goes in with those punishing shots. He's not really the biggest puncher. That's he's probably he's probably one flaw is that he's not a massive puncher. But you know he doesn't need to be. You know he he turns his shots over properly. His reflexes are fantastic. The way he throws his shots, there's a lot of of weight behind them, and um, you know he throws his shots correctly. That's that's the most important thing above power. He knows how to throw a shot, he knows when to throw a shot, and he knows how to get that leverage on his shots, even if he doesn't have all that snap. You know, he's a he's a phenomenal fighter, certainly someone I can see becoming a world champion. Of course, the news is now that Josh Warrington has parted ways with Frank Warren, he's gone back to Eddie Hearn. Um, interesting to see Eddie Hearn tweet out straight away that we've now signed the number one featherweight in the world. I'm pretty sure he thought that Kid Galahad won that fight, because obviously he he promotes Galahad, and he was promoting Galahad at a time when, when Warrington was with Frank Warren, and he said that Galahad won that fight, everyone thinks Galahad won that fight, so surely Galahad, in Eddie Hearn's eyes, should then be the number one featherweight in the world, but no, um, since he's been welcomed back to Eddie Hearn's stable, he's all of a sudden number one again, I don't really understand the logic behind that, but it is what it is, it looks like that fight will probably happen again, Kid Galahad and Josh Warrington, the rematch, um, wasn't the best fight to see, but you know, he... Uh he deserves a rematch, I think, Kid Galahad, because a lot of people felt it was quite controversial. Um, but forgetting both of those two, I'd like to see Shakur Stevenson um, get the fight against against Warrington. You know, he's now calling out for it now that now that um, Warrington's with Eddie Hearn. Shakur Stevenson believes that the fight will be easier to make. Let's hope he's right. Um, let's hope he's right. I think Eddie Hearn has, has already been tweeting Shakur Stevenson. But anyway, that was a piece of news that I was going to say for the news part of the show, but it is what it is. Um, a good win for Kid Galahad, like I say. Um, 
And the main event, of course, Kel Brook, 39-2 and two now. A KO for him in seven rounds against Mark DeLuca. DeLuca was down twice. It was for the vacant WBO Intercontinental Super Welterweight title. I've got to be completely honest. You know, Kel Brook, who I thought looked awful last time out against Zarafa, um, you know, he, he was hurt a few times in that fight. Obviously, he was with a new trainer at the time, John Fuchs. He's now back with um, with Dominic Ingle, where he probably should have stayed all along. He definitely should have stayed all along. But, um, you know, he was coming off, I think it was about 14 months inactivity. So, I, I, I've got to take that into account a little bit. But I expected him to probably get Mark DeLuca out of there in a couple of rounds if he was going to be. Um, you know, still a fighter that can really cause a lot of problems to the top fighters at 154, you know. I look at Kelbrook, I'd, I really like Kelbrook, I'd love to see him become a world champion at this weight as well, but I look at him and I think, you know, if he's if he's special, if he's still got it, if he's still a world beater, he probably should be taking a guy like this out in a couple of rounds, because this guy, Mark DeLuca, looked absolutely horrible, in my opinion, and Kelbrook, you know, he got, he got, he got hit a couple of times, but it just wasn't all coming together for him. And like I say, I've got to take his ring rust into account. But he just didn't really look like the force he once was, you know. It just didn't really seem to be um, the the whole package. It, it didn't look like that. It didn't look like, you know, this, this fighter who, who could beat the top guys at 154, you know. You wouldn't really fancy him against Jamel Charlo or the rest of the guys there. So, um, yeah, based on that performance, I actually think Kel Brook is, is done. And based on his last performance against Zarafara, I thought he was done. So I think now or never for the Amir Khan fight, he may have a chance against Khan. As bad as Kel Brook, I, I feel, you know, is at this stage of his career, as bad as he is, I still think he's got enough pop to uh, to, to knock Amir Khan out. So um, that would be an interesting fight. But saying that, Khan might even win that one. But yeah, Kel Brook, he shouldn't really be in a tough fight. They're talking about him against Liam Smith. I'd like to see your 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 thoughts on that fight. Guys, who, who who's listening to me right now? Let me know what you think. Please give me a tweet on Twitter at Boxhard Podcast. Let me know who you think wins that fight between Liam Smith and Kelbrook because I think Kelbrook is the more talented fighter of the two. But I just think Liam Smith's got a lot left in the tank, a lot a lot more left in the tank. And whether you like it or not, that fight there against Liam Smith, if that fight happens, that's gonna be a war. Liam Smith is a very very tough guy. You know, he showed that against Canelo. He showed it. Definitely against Mungia. He's a tough guy. Kelbrook is not going to get him out of there. And Liam Smith can really, really punch to the body like all the Smith brothers could. He's a brilliant body puncher. And I just think that fight, stylistically, at this part of Brook's career, is a bit of a nightmare fight, really, for Kelbrook. Um, we shall see. But please, please, please let me know what your, your thoughts are on that fight there. Uh, moving out now to the Hard Rock Hotel in Daytona Beach, Florida, USA. Just just a quick fight to mention over here. Evan Holyfield, the son of the former heavyweight world champion, the former four-time heavyweight world champion, by the way. Um, he is now 3-0. and A TKO for him in the first round against Travis Nero, who's now 1-6. and Nero was down three times there in the first round. Uh, moving out now to the Civic Center in Indiana, USA. This one over here, just one fight to mention. Um, Charles Conwell obviously returned to the ring for the first time since the tragic fight he had against Patrick Day. He returned with a bang. 
Um, his opponent retired on his store after four rounds. That opponent was Ramses Agaton, who's now 22-12 and 12 with three draws. Charles Conwell still undefeated 12-0. and 0. Big fights for him on the horizon, you'd feel. Moving out now to the PPL Center in Allentown, Pennsylvania, USA. Um, let's start over here with the undercard. Gary Antonio Russell picked up a win. His opponent, Jesus Martinez, got disqualified in the sixth round of a scheduled eight-rounder. Um, Gary Antonio Russell, like I say, now 17-0. and 0. Not quite sure what happened there. It wasn't televised. Um, Gary Antoine Russell picked up another win, another knockout win. He's now 13-0 and 0 with 13 KOs. A first-round KO against Jose Marufo, who's now 12-10 and 10 with two draws. He needs to step up his his um you know his 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 opponents really to be honest he needs to step up a little bit there Gary Antoine Russell by the way shout out to Gary Russell Jr who of course boxed in the main event but he was working the corner for his two brothers i think they said he was in the venue from about 3 p.m and his fight didn't end up happening till um till something like midnight over there you know so he'd been in the building for about nine hours and he still managed to win his fight you know he's a sensational fighter but we'll get onto that in a sec Guillermo Rigondo picked up win number 20 he's got that one loss to Lomachenko he was able to pick up a split decision win over 12 rounds against Laborio Solis former opponent of Jamie McDonnell that one was for the vacant WBA World Bantamweight title. Solis was down in round seven. It was a very strange performance, really, from Rigondo. Um, the crowd were booing him at, at times in that fight. He didn't seem like he wanted to engage. He was being outpunched and outlanded um, and certainly outthrown. In, in many of the early rounds by Liborio Solis. Liborio Solis certainly came to fight. But um, the thing about Rigondo, you know, obviously we got to mention he moved down in weight. He moved down to, to bantamweight, um, you know, which, which is crazy because I think he's now 39 or 40 or something like that. So he's done it backwards. Rather than moving up in weight, he's decided to move down in weight, um, obviously being the oldest he's ever been in his career. So credit to him for that. He looked okay. Again, it, it wasn't the, the best fight to watch. I definitely wouldn't want to watch it back even if I was paid. But, um, you know, when he lets go of his... Of his of his backhand, Rigondo, it's got a lot of power in it, and it's extremely fast, and that is how he managed to catch Liborio Solis, he caught him, you know, unaware really, Liborio Solis was throwing shots, wasn't really worrying about what was coming back, and then bang, he gets hit with a backhand, and he didn't really know what to do, and he got caught with the same shot about three or four times before the ropes kind of held him up, and the referee jumped in and gave it a count, um, in the end, like I say, he ended up picking up the split decision, I felt like it was quite close, but... Um, yeah, Rigondo was was making making uh, Solis miss at times and making him pay, and then Rigondo wasn't really throwing you know that many shots. So um, not quite sure what the punch stats looked like at the very end of the fight. Solis did kind of slow down as the fight went on, but like I say, a very very bad fight, and that 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 level of um, of inactivity during the fight for Rigondo, not throwing those shots, made it a very hard fight to watch and therefore a very hard fight to score. I was kind of zoning out, but like I say, a split decision there for Rigondo. He didn't really seem to care too much about the crowd booing uh, when they interviewed him in the ring after the fight, but all the best to him. 
Um, so yeah, that was that one. And then the final fight to mention, I think, of the review part of the show. Nope, there's one more one more card to mention, but this is the final uh, the final one on this bill here. The main event, Gary Russell Jr., now 31-1. A unanimous decision for him over 12 rounds against the previously undefeated Tugstuk Niambiar, the former um, sensational amateur, 11-0 going into the fight. Now 11-1, obviously a defense there. Successful of Gary Russell Jr.'s WBC featherweight world title. It wasn't a bad fight, to be completely honest. It was very much a chess match. Um, Gary Russell Jr., you know, he, he always shows us these, you know, these little glimpses. That's what it feels like, these little glimpses, because we get to see him box about once a year, something like that. Um, he'd been out the ring for something like 270 days or something since his last fight, which is actually very short for him. It's usually about 370 days, something like that. But, um, you know, we got to see him see him box here, and, and he showed us once again how much skills he's got. He's one of the most skillful fighters in the world, and I've been saying it for years. It's his inactivity that's, that's kind of stopped him from getting onto my pound-for-pound pound list. Not that I'm sure he, he gives a damn about who I think's in the pound-for-pound pound top ten or whatever, but, you know, he's a top, top fighter. Pound-for-pound, skill-for-skill. He's right up there with the best in the world. Obviously, that one loss came to Lomachenko. He wants that rematch. He's talking about moving up to... Um, to to uh, straight up from 126 to 135. He doesn't plan on stopping at 130. I think he was talking about perhaps doing it for Tevin Farmer. Obviously, Farmer ended up, um, you know, losing to, to Jojo Diaz. So, yeah, he's going to now jump straight to 135, I believe, and that will mean he's, he's going to be vacating his WBC featherweight world title. So, opportunities will open up there for the likes of perhaps Isaac Lowe, who we'll be speaking to later on in the show. But, um... Yeah, you know, a uh, a good win there for Gary Gary Russell Jr. He didn't really I mean he 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 got a little bit tired towards the end, but he didn't really lose control of the fight even when he was tired to be honest, you know. He controlled pretty much everything. The MBR kept coming forward, showed tons and tons of heart. Another guy who I think, you know, based on a loss will probably become a world champion at some point in the future, you know. Um he certainly didn't disgrace himself. He certainly didn't get beaten up. But Gary Russell was just, you know, nine times out of ten, a step ahead of him, really. You know, and and that's what that's what it's about. It's about experience when it gets to that top level there. And Gary Russell Jr. has got that experience. You know, like I say, one of the best fighters in the world. A little bit too good for Niambiar, who, like I say, is still quite green as a professional. That was a big, big step up for him. And you've got to applaud that. He went the distance and... um yeah, unanimous in the end there for Gary Russell Jr. But the final fight to mention, it took place at the Tyson's Playground in Virginia, USA. Friend of the show, Dusty Hernandez Harrison, now 34-0 and with a draw. Very, very, very brilliant undefeated streak there. 35 fights, hasn't lost the fight, but he needs to step up. He took on Les Sherrington of Australia, who I really do not rate at all. Sherrington, another guy with quite a padded record, now 30 38 and 15. He was KO'd in two rounds by Dusty Hernandez. So quite expected there. But um, yeah, Hernandez at one point of his career, or Harrison, I think he's he mainly goes by Dusty Harrison. At one point in his career, he was ranked in the top 15 at 147 when Kelbrook was champion. He was closing in on a world title fight. And then for whatever reason, he was kept out of the ring for about two years. And he just completely fell off the face of the earth. He's back now, but it, it seems like it's quite stop-start for him and he's not really getting the fights he 
needs because I tell you what, his prime will come and go. Um, he needs to get going, really. But that is it, though, for the review part of the show. Just before I wrap up part one, the final thing, of course, to do is to welcome our very first guest, yet again, another world champion for the Boxar podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former two-weight world champion himself. It is, of course, Mr. Jesse Vargas. Jesse, welcome to the show, my man. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. First of all, Joey, it's a pleasure. And um, what can I say, man? I'm, I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm excited for this next fight. We're a little less than three weeks away from the fight. And uh, I'm in great shape. I'm nice and light, lean, strong, fast. I'm ready to shine. Sounds exciting. It really does. So obviously, it's the first time we've had you on this show. You're you're currently with the Zone, and of course, Eddie Hearn. You were one of, if not the first fighters on the network on Matchroom USA. Um, just quickly, how's that working out for you right about now? Obviously, you've been there. You've been there a period of time now. How's it going? Yeah, well, it's all working out well. Thankfully, um, you know, we extended the, the contract for a fight. Uh, in our last one, in our, in our last fight against Roberto Soto, and um, I mean everything, everything is going well. Thankfully, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I'm thankful for the opportunity. I also want to uh, prove to match from the zone that I mean that I'm, I'm happy that they believed in me, and uh, you know, I want to come up with the victory with the victory for them. That way, uh, you know, I show them that you know they made a good investment. And uh, as you all know, I mean, everyone in this game knows me as an action-packed fighter, and uh, not only that, but I also want to make sure that I am one of the best. I want to prove to everyone that I'm one of the best in the division. You know, I think that a lot of people know it already, but I want to continue to reiterate it and uh, until I'm at the top of the level. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, you mentioned your next fight isn't too far away now. You'll box Mikey Garcia February 29th in Texas. Just give me a couple words on that fight and, um, and what you think is kind of in store for the fans that will be tuning in February 29th. Obviously, you know, we're expecting a lot of action as, as all of your fights provide, to be honest. Yeah, well, thanks, Joey. I mean, I think that the fans just know what this fight's about. You know, it's going to be a fan-friendly fight. Uh, two warriors, two fighters who fight with their heart. You know, we don't give up. And uh, we fight to the end. I just feel that, you know, um, Mikey's a good fighter, but I just feel that I, I'm, I'm the better fighter. I feel that I have plenty of advantages that, that I can use in this fight to come out victorious. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, I have been doing my homework. My trainers have been doing an amazing job in, in uh, bringing out the best in me, you know, working on the game plan. Uh, me also, with the experience that I've had, you know, I'm, I'm able to relax, to enjoy this training camp and, and enjoy every day in it, you know, whether it's out there running, um, working out in the fitness gym, working out in the boxing gym. I'm enjoying all of it. You know, even in the sparring sessions, you know, I'm loving it. And I, I, I'd say that something has changed, you know, in, in me recently. Um, it could be just the experience, you know, everything coming together, me knowing what, what I'm capable of. And, and, and I also have that fire of wanting to show everyone who I am. And uh, come February 29th, we're going to have a great show. I mean, of course, you have my fight as a main event, but any of these fights that on the undercard can be main, main event themselves. I mean, you have Martinez defending his WBC title. This is Martinez, a great fighter. He's a, a fan-friendly fighter and one of my favorite fighters at the time, actually. He's really good. Jeff Chocolatito Gonzalez is also a great fighter, one of my good friends, fighting uh, Jeff I, the WBA world title. You have Joseph Parker, among other very good, talented fighters as well. Um, you know, all through the zone, all on matching boxing. Um, I'm happy to be a part of it. I'm happy to be headlining it. And um, it's going to be a night that the audience is going to tune in 
it's going to be a night where it's going to be nothing but action pack fights. And it's going to benefit me because, I mean, it's, it's going to be um, a lot of exposure. You know, I'm going to generate a lot more fans after that night because I know they're going to be very happy with my performance because that's what I've been working for these last two months. Actually, you know what? It's been like six months that I've been working hard for this fight. You know, not knowing, actually, because, I mean, I was negotiating to fight Jaime Mokia back in September, and unfortunately, those negotiations fell through. But I was consistently training, and um, now at this fight here, 147, and I'm feeling good, I'm feeling strong, I'm feeling lean, and I can't wait. Because, I mean, firstly, the the lineup on, on February 29th is a brilliant, brilliant lineup. Um the, the interesting factor about this fight is obviously, for me anyway, is, is the weight. You know, you mentioned there the Mungia fight that was that would have been at one fifty four. Um, you know, you're you're at one four seven again in this one. Mikey Garcia, we wasn't too sure if he'd stick at one four seven after that fight with Spence, where obviously you know he took his first loss and he looked really small in there, really against Spence. Do you feel like the fight being at one four seven is an advantage of yours? I definitely feel that way. Yes, I feel like it's an advantage to me because I am an actual 147 pounds. I was uh, just recently thinking of making the jump to 154, and I was already. I mean, my last fight was at 151, but um, uh, you know, we're just taking a step into the 154 category. But um, I mean, this fight presented itself at 147, and um, I was on the verge of, of, of moving up. But um, for an opportunity like this, you know, uh, big showdown you know, that would please the fans. I said, let's do it, you know, 147. And I'm still making it pretty good. You know, I feel strong. And I'm already close to weight. I'm about 158 pounds. It's only 11 pounds overweight. And, um, you know, we're just making sure that we are very attentive to how the weight is dropping because I want to come in strong. You know, I don't only want to make the weight, but I want to make the weight and perform at optimum level. And obviously, from Mikey's standpoint, I mean, you know, at 135 and at 140 for him, in my eyes, he's probably one of the best fighters in the world at those weights there. Um, it, it, is, it, it was a little bit baffling when I, when I first heard this, this fight had been announced at that weight. Um, it's a risky, really, really risky fight for him. Who do you feel kind of needs the other one more at this stage? Or do you kind of feel like you're both in similar situations at the minute? I think we're both trying to prove a point. We're tr- both trying to prove how good we really are, you know, and um, we, we have a large um, fan base, you know, we both do. And um, what can I say? I mean, it's, I mean, this mean means everything for both of us. So I'm going to make sure to, to not underestimate Mikey Garcia, you know, because I do know he's a good fighter. He is, you know, but I just feel that I have certain advantages that he doesn't have in this fight and that are going to work for me. After this fight, I mean, he can go down to 140 and become champion again. You know, I have no doubt, but um, I, I'm planning to win this fight on February 29. And of course, you've been in world title fights. You've boxed on Mayweather and Pacquiao undercards. You boxed Pacquiao himself. Where does this fight rank amongst your biggest fights? It's got to be right up there. Definitely. I mean, this is one of my biggest fights. Uh, any fight that grabs the attention of the fans is one of my biggest fights. And apparently, this fight has had tremendous exposure. The people are extremely happy about it. And. Um, you know, it ranks amongst one of the best. I want to make sure to shine for it. And the week before your fight, I do want to get your take. Obviously, we'll get to see that much, much um, anticipated rematch between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Who do you feel wins that one, Jesse? I think that's a 50-50 fight. <laughs> I think that, um, I think either, I mean, honestly, I'm going to say that it won't go to the full 12. I just don't know who's going to win. 
you know, because both fighters have the power. I mean, in the last fight, in the first fight that they had, I feel that uh, both fighters hurt one another with different combinations. Uh, actually, it was, I think Fury hurt him, about, stunned him, stunned Wilder about two, three times. And, of course, I mean, uh, Tyson Fury hit the, hit the canvas twice. Uh, so it's, it's a fight that, in my eyes, I don't see it going uh, before 12. A brilliant fight. Like I say, we're all we're all definitely looking forward to that one. Now, again, we touched on the fact that you were eyeing up a move, you know, a, a move above welterweight. Obviously, you were world champion at 140 and 147. I remember when you beat Saddam Ali, and of course, he went up to 154. He became a world champion. If he can do it, then of course you can. Is that a goal of yours before you retire to eventually win a world title at 154, become a freeweight world champion? I'm sure it is. Definitely, it really is. Um, I'm actually thinking of becoming a 40 division world champion. I mean, my hopes, my goal is to become a 40 division world champion. But in all due time, um, you know, one step at a time. Right now, I have this fight at 147. And then, you know, soon after, I'm sure I'll move up to 54. But, uh, you know, step by step, right now, I'm focused on this fight. Making sure I win this one, and then I'll go on to the future. And just the last couple questions really now for you, Jesse. I like to ask this question to everyone that we speak to from overseas. I get some real interesting answers to this question here. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Um, who comes to mind when I ask yeah. you, who's your favorite UK fighter? It can be from any era. It can be a guy that's still boxing today. It can be a guy that retired many years ago. Any era, favorite UK fighter, who comes to mind? I like, I like um, honestly... I like Anthony Joshua. Okay. I think he's, he's brilliant inside the ring and out. Yeah. Yeah, a real role model, obviously, outside of the ring and uh, an exciting heavyweight. To very say talented. The least, very, very talented. I also like Carl Crotch. I think he's a great fighter. I mean, he was a great fighter in his time. Yeah. Yeah, another one. Yeah, both popular answers. People say those those two quite a lot. Um, yeah, like I say, just coming down to the last couple of questions, I really want to give you an opportunity, Jesse, to just send out a message um, to, to any of your UK supporters that, that will be listening to this one from over here. Obviously, since linking up with Eddie Hearn, you know, we've got to see all of your fights live on TV. So your fan base over here has really, really grown. I've seen a lot of people over here, you know, calling your name for these big fights. And we're all really, and I can speak collectively here, looking forward to February 20th. What's your message to your fans from this side of the pond? Well, first of all, I have to thank them for the support. I have noticed that the numbers have really increased, you know, with my fan base in the UK, and I appreciate it. And um, I meet several of the UK fans on Fight Week, and um, they asked me that uh, they would love to see me fighting in the UK. It's something that that I want to do in the near future, actually. I mean, UK fans are, are always really great. You know, they're they're really energized once you see them. Inside. I mean, they're they're uh, they're just into it. You know, I mean, they're 100% boxing fans, and I love that about them. And I just thank them for the support, and I and I'll be here to give them the best possible fight. You know, and, and that I can, that I possibly can. I have a great team, I have great promoter, advisors, everything, and and uh, we're gonna give them a great fight soon. Hopefully, I can meet them in, in the UK sometime soon and fight there. Yeah, that would be absolutely brilliant, by the way. It just come just come in my mind just then. Um, Kel Brook and yourself, that would be a brilliant fight for 154. I agree. I agree. That would be a good one. American, another name that's, that's been out there as well. Yeah. 
brilliant fights, brilliant fights. And um, yeah, just finally, Jesse, if if you have one, then then please give it to us. If not, then you don't have to. A fight prediction for February 29th. Obviously, Mikey's a tough, tough guy. Yourself, you're a tough, tough guy. Um, if I had to give one, I'd say it definitely, I'd say it probably goes the distance. I could be wrong. How do you see it playing out? I see myself winning. Uh, I see Jesse Boris coming out with the victory, landing some vicious right hands, uppercut, body shots, ultimately coming out with the victory. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, listen, Jesse, it has been a real, real pleasure speaking with you this week. I want to thank you so much for your time. I want to wish you the very best of luck for February 29th, and we'll hopefully catch up sometime after. God bless. Thank you. God bless. Take care. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. The big heavyweight fight is on. It's, of course, going to be Daniel Dubois taking on Joe Joyce. That one to take place on April 11th at the O2 Arena. Obviously, a brilliant, brilliant fight, you know. A massive, massive, massive fight. Joe Joyce unbeaten. All that amateur experience that Daniel Dubois doesn't have. And, of course, Daniel Dubois just banging people out at the minute. Lots and lots of sparring stories you hear that he's the real deal this is the fight to prove that you know this is a tough 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 fight really tough fight um it's a pick em fight it's a 50 50 fight i wouldn't want to put money on either guy um of course i'll i'll break it down a bit more in depth when it comes around but a brilliant fight to look forward to there for april 11th and of course that is now you'd have to say kind of frank warren's biggest um you know, biggest fighter, really, you know, with Warrington leaving, there's no world champions left in the stable, obviously, Tommy Fury's a a massive name now, thanks to Love Island and stuff like that, but Tyson Fury, that kind of thing there, it's a partnership with Bob Arum, he doesn't really own all of Tyson Fury, it seems like he's got the short end of the stick, really, and, um, you know, it's a a big blow losing Josh Warrington, and now, of course, Daniel Dubois kind of head, 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 you know, spearheads that, that whole promotional kind of thing with him, you know, he's the biggest name and of course Anthony Yard is just under him um, so a brilliant fight to look forward to there April 11th at the O2 also we get to see another cracking fight this one takes place on March 28th David Avanessian he puts his European title on the line against Josh Kelly obviously the pair were supposed to fight before it didn't happen and um it's finally on. It's a fight that a lot of people were looking forward to because of all the build-up from the first one, because of the bad blood, because of both teams pointing the finger at the other at the other side and stuff like that. Um, we will get to see if Josh Kelly is the real deal. You know, he's looking forward to. You know, to, to to proving a lot of doubters wrong and stuff like that. He is class, Josh Kelly. He really is, but. This is going to be the toughest fight for him, you know. David Avanessian's got that pro experience, you know. He's been a world champion. He's boxed in the States against Sugar Shane Mosley, stuff like that. Lamont Peterson. Um, he's been in hostile territories in Spain and stuff like that. And he's come through um, Kerman Leharaga. So this is a tough, tough fight. Josh Kelly's last couple of performances haven't really been up to par. You know, he's won these fights and, and hasn't looked that spectacular. And, it, of course, he's got that draw um, that he had with Ray Robinson in, in, in Philly. So... Uh, uh, or it might it might not have been in Philly, but Ray Robinson is from Philly. But um, you know that's a cracking fight. I really, really, really cannot wait for that one. That's March twenty eighth, and um, that's at the O two as well. So the O two is going to be providing some brilliant, brilliant fights between March and April. Um, Lewis Ritson, his next fight has been announced. It's going to be April the fourth. Um, he takes on. 
A former world champion, Miguel Vasquez, obviously a guy that's been in there with Mikey Garcia. He's been in there with Josh Taylor, but most recently he lost to O'Hara Davis at York Hall, but he definitely should have won the fight. He definitely should have beaten O'Hara Davies, and even O'Hara Davies fought so himself. Um, so that's an interesting fight there, you know. Miguel Vasquez is is a proven tough, tough guy. Um, Ritson definitely won't be able to hurt him. No chance about that. That's what I will say. No way in the world does Ritson win this one by a knockout. It's either going to be a war that goes the distance and Ritson just edges him, or um, or Vasquez beats Ritson. I, I definitely wouldn't rule that one out. It's a tough, tough fight. Ritson's kind of shown his level, you know, he was smashing people up on, on, on that domestic level. He moved up in weight, and then... Um, you know, he didn't he didn't look that great, you know, he didn't look that great, he had a couple of, you know, tough fights, and then obviously against Robbie Davies Jr., you know, that was a tough, tough fight, even though he won and won well, but that was a tough fight, you know, so I don't think he's, you know, definitely going to go on to become a world champion like a lot of people thought, you know, they were jumping the gun a little bit too quick with Ritson, um, so yeah, that's a brilliant fight there, that could go either way, that one takes place, like I say, in Newcastle, Saturday the 4th of September, oh, sorry, of April, um, yeah, we mentioned about Josh Warrington leaving um, leaving Frank Warren. He's now signed with Eddie Hearn. Um, and yeah, that's really that's really all the news, to be completely honest. We're going to try to whiz through the preview part as quick as possible. We're going to start with a card that takes place later today at the Westgate Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. Over here, Sharif Rackman, of course, the son of Hassim Rackman. Um, his record 3-0. I think he's been out the ring for quite a while. He returns here. No opponent just yet, but all the best to him for later tonight, should the event actually still go on. Um, moving out now to this one takes place tomorrow at the Honda Center in California, USA. Um, yeah, over here we have, I think this one's going to be on Box Nation, by the way, so don't miss that. But over here we've got Blair Cobbs, friend of the show, 13-0 and with a draw. He takes on Sam, Samuel Cote, who's 23-2. and Again, you know, Blair Cobbs is a guy who everyone really seems to like because he's got a real big personality and stuff like that. Um, he's a friend of the show. I've got a lot of time for Blair. He's a nice guy. He's a cool guy. But, um, you know, even in, 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 in his last couple of fights, he's been down you know, a couple times, in his last fight especially, he was down, um, you know, but he managed to win the fight by KO, he's got an exciting style, and um, this guy here, you know, he's, he's no mug really, I mean, he's 36 years of age, he's, he's Ghanaian, but he actually lives in the state, so it's not like he's a you know, an imported fighter that's that's coming to lay down or anything like that. He's got a record of 23 and 2, 16 KOs. His two losses came to Anthony Peterson and Fernando Carcamo. Um, he's been a little bit inactive, though. Only one fight in the last, well, almost the last four years. It's about three years and and uh, and tw uh, and ten months, something like that, since he last boxed. Um, sorry, since he since he was was quite active, you know. Um, his last fight, basically, he's had one. F making that real confusing. He's had one fight since um, since April 2016, where he lost to Anthony Peterson. He's had one fight since, and it was in um, in 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 October of 2019. He got a TKO in two rounds against a guy with a losing record. So, you know, perhaps he's not really. 
at his best at this stage of his career. Like I mentioned, his age is a factor. He took his shirt off at the press conference. He said to Blair Cobbs, let's go right now. You know, he, he tried to call Blair Cobbs out on, on some of the things he's been saying. Um, also on the bill, we get to see Ryan Garcia, 19-0 and with 16 KOs. He takes on Francisco Fonseca. It's another calculated kind of step up. Fonseca, 25-2 and with two draws. Obviously, last time out, he got that draw with Alex Dilmagani. That one obviously took place over here at, at York Hall. Um, they were supposed to fight a while before. Then I think he collapsed or something in the dressing room. I can't remember what it was. Then obviously he had the fight with Dilmagani. It was one of the best fights um, that was televised actually in the UK last year. And um, and yeah, it was at the back end. It was in November. But his losses came to Tevin Farmer and Javante Davis. So he only loses to good. He only loses to good fighters. So if. Uh, if Ryan Garcia can can win well and perhaps even get him out of there quicker than Javante did, then that's a big statement. It took Javante eight rounds back in 2017, so that that could be interesting there. But very very wise matchmaking um, they're they're doing with Ryan Garcia. I'm loving what they're doing. It's it's very very clever stuff. Um, and topping the bill, Jorge Linares. I want to just reel out a bit of my uh, accent here as I'm on my own. It's, it doesn't feel embarrassing. If I was reeling out my Spanishy accent, then uh, if, if I as is listening to me, I think sometimes he cringes. I think Eddie sometimes cringes. So no one's here, so I can say Jorge El Niño de Oro Linares. What do you think about that? I don't know because you can't reply to me. That's that's what makes it fun. Um, his record nine. Oh, sorry, he takes on a guy with a record of nineteen and four with four draws. That guy being Carlos Morales. Um, you know, Lenares is a is a is a funny guy. It seems like he's had many many phases in his career. You know, he he was assumed to be completely done before he boxed Kevin Mitchell. But I think there's no denying at this stage of his career. He probably is coming to the very end. You know, his, 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 his last four fights, his record is 2-2, two and two, you know. Obviously, you know, he gave a good account of himself against Lomachenko. He was able to drop Lomachenko in that fight, we forget. But, um, you know, a win over Abnakoto. Then, obviously, he got stopped in a round by Pablo Cizacano. That was an absolute shock. I couldn't believe that. That was crazy. One of the biggest upsets, actually, of last year. We forget about that, you know. I'll I tell you what, that's a that's a late one. We were talking about all the upsets. That's one of the biggest upsets. as up there with Ruiz and, and, and Joshua and all those other upsets. Um, and then he's coming off a win against Al Toyagon, who's not a fantastic fighter you know um he, he was able to beat him on points he completely shut him out but realistically Toyagon, you know probably probably should have been knocked out in that fight like i say not really a good fighter but anyway let's talk about carlos morales um yeah 19 and 4 with four draws coming off a draw in his last fight against masito gesta who funny enough is a guy that boxed jorge Linares back in 2018 Linares was able to beat him on points but yeah you know, he got a draw with Carlos Morales, and um, you know, Carlos Morales has been has been beaten by Ryan Garcia. Like I say, he's also on the card. Um, you know, he, he he lost to Ryan Garcia. Interestingly enough, though, on a majority decision over ten rounds back in uh, back in 2018, he also lost to Rene Alvarado, who's a reigning world champion right now. He also lost to Alberto Machado. Um, He's beaten a couple of a couple of names, I suppose, a couple borderline names. You know, he's beaten the likes of um, um, Dardan Zenunaj, who I think is a former opponent of Tevin Farmer, if I'm not mistaken, and um, he's beaten. 
um, Charles Huerta, and that's that's another guy. I mean, they're not they're not great fighters. Linares should have enough, but you just never know. You just never know with him. He's quite unpredictable. Um, moving now to the final two bills to mention. Let's start here at the York Hall um, in Bethnal Green, London. Over here, we get to see Fred Evans, obviously the Welsh. Um, the Welsh, fantastic, fantastic amateur turn pro. He's another guy that just, I don't know if he's, he's, he's um, you know, a guy that hung around in the amateurs too long. He turned pro. Six and one is record now. He was upset um, against a guy whose name has eluded me for a second here. But, you know, it was a guy who was supposed to be easy. It was a shock upset. And he's back here. He's record six and one. Um, he takes on Wilma Gonzalez, who's 20 and 16 with a draw. Harley Benz back in the ring, seven and one. He takes on Dylan Draper, who's one and 41. Um, Larry Ekandeo returns as well. His record, 15-1. and one. He takes on Nathan Hardy over four rounds. Nathan Hardy, 9-29 and 29 with four draws. Larry is a good fighter. I remember being there when he lost at the Copper Box Arena to Gary Corcoran in a very, very, very close fight, by the way. And since then, it seems like he's just fell off the face of the earth. But he's a good, good fighter at 154. He can really, you know, give anyone a tough test domestically at least. He's a good fighter, man. A real... A, a, you know, a guy with bundles and bundles of potential and talent, but he just, you know, he just, I don't know what it is. It's been very stop-start. It seems like that fight against Corcoran was a, was a few years ago. That was a long time ago, and I don't even know if he's, if he's, if he's had more than one or two fights since then. Off the top of my head, um, he needs to get back at it, man. He's a real underachiever at this stage. And finishing up now at the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, Tennessee, USA. Um, no one really to mention on the undercard, so let's just skip straight to the main event. Caleb Plant, 19-0, friend of the show. Of course, the reigning IBF World Super Middleweight Champion. He defends his title here against... Um, against v- Vincent Feigenbutz, who's 31-2, and two. Um, it's not it's not really, if I'm being completely honest, it's not really the kind of fights we want to see Caleb Plant in. I don't know if this is a mandatory or a voluntary, but if it's a mandatory, obviously you can't really avoid it. If it's a voluntary, then I, I'm guessing the American fans aren't going to be too pleased about this because, you know, Vincent Feigenbutz isn't known really in the States. Um He's he's done okay in recent times. Obviously, you know he's 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 gone undefeated now for um for four years. He lost his uh, his last fight to Giovanni De Carolis, and then obviously, you know he lost very early on in his career. His second pro fight, but since then he has improved. He he's not a bad fighter, you know. He's not a bad fighter. He can punch. He's still a young guy. He's still only twenty four, unbelievably. And of course, the Sowerlands bang on about him being one of the biggest punchers at super middleweight. Um, problem is Caleb Plant is very very hard to actually hit clean you know he's he's very very good his head movement's fantastic his movement all round is fantastic actually his footwork is some of the best probably at super middleweight and he's a guy I'd like to see boxing all those big names boxing Billy Joe Saunders boxing Callum Smith boxing David Benavidez and the rest of the you know the top talent there at 168 but um yeah, unfortunately, this isn't really that fight. It could still be interesting. Um, I, I think this one's also going to be on Box Nation. I think Box Nation is showing a card on Friday and Saturday. So um, hopefully they show that one. But yeah, it's not a great undercard. The main event's really where it's at. And even the main event, you know, I, I expect Caleb Plant to, to probably, uh, you know, dance around. 
make make Feigenbutz miss, and I wouldn't be surprised if he actually knocks Feigenbutz out around the mid rounds. So uh, log that. But um, yeah, that's that's my prediction on that one. Again, we will be back with the prediction leagues next week and all the rest of it. We got to get back on that definitely for um, for Fury Wilder, um, the the fight week next week. But um, yeah, that's it for part two. It's now going to be our second and final guest. Obviously, the interview, like I said earlier on, it's not um, you know there was a bit of echoing and stuff like that. So I apologise in advance if um if if it's too hard to listen to then you've got my permission to just skip right past it but um if 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 you can listen then i'd really appreciate it here is guest number 2 ladies and gentlemen please welcome the undefeated lightweight ranked number 10 in the world with the wbc it is of course our very own mr isaac low isaac welcome back on the show my man Thank you very much for having us on. I'm sorry to stop you, but I'm not a lightweight. I'm a featherweight. Just get it clear that one up. I knew that. I don't know why I made such a silly mistake. That is embarrassing. I'm gonna <laughs> slap myself for that one. Um, yeah, of course I knew that, Isaac. It's been a it's been a little while. We last spoke. I think it was back in September 2018. It was just before um, what was supposed to be the Ryan Walsh rematch. Obviously, that fight didn't end up happening in the end. Um, is that is that still like unfinished business from your point of view, or is it just not on your radar anymore? Like I said, it was a while ago now. Yeah, uh, yeah, it'll always be there, won't it? Uh, it's always going to get brung up. Uh, obviously, Brian's in the uh, golden contract at the minute. He's doing well. And obviously, I'm with the, the WC number 10, and I've, I've, I've been fighting a lot over in the American States. So, yeah, it's still a good uh, domestic battle. And I said the way we're both progressing now. Uh, it could end up right down the year. It could be a world title eliminator. You don't know. It could be even for anything like that. So, listen, it low would be in the question, but I'm sure Ryan's got full focus on getting through the golden contract and doing his own route. And uh, as for me, at the minute in time, I'm concentrating on the February 22nd, and we'll just take one fight at a time. Absolutely. And you're out now in Vegas. You're, you're boxing on that Wilder Fury undercard against a former world title challenger, Alberto Guevara. Um, what do you know about your opponent, Isaac? Obviously not a massive name, but a very good fighter. Yeah, a lot of people won't know him. I'm probably thinking, no, he, he won't be that good to be a knockover, but anyone that knows boxing knows he's a, he's a tough contender. As I said, he's fought for the world title twice. Uh, he took Santa Cruz to the 12 rounds, which was a thrilling fight. Uh, and you look on his radar, who he's only been beat by, Five people have been beat. Two of them have been for world titles, and the number three has been well, well, uh, well operated, world class operator, I should say. So um, obviously, you've got Sha- Shaquille who just stopped him last time out. Uh, but uh, I think he only came in with eight days' notice for that fight. So this fight, he's had a full six week. So I'm expecting uh, a good fit, and he's going to give me a hell of a fight. He knows if he beats me. Uh, he put himself up that, that top turn and given a chance for a world title shot again. So uh, I've got the fully focused. It's a dangerous fight. And it's one I've got to be ready for. Yeah, you mentioned there. I mean, his record obviously consists of 27 wins. He's got those five losses, but, you know, every loss was to a very good fighter. Leo Santa Cruz, um, Yamanaka, Emmanuel Rodriguez, Hugo Ruiz, and then, of course, most recently, Shakur Stevenson. Um, you know, this is a guy with, with a real wealth of experience as a professional. Are you expecting this, this fight to be tougher than all the rest of your fights? Is this guy perhaps a, a better fighter than Ryan Walsh and the other guys? Yeah, 100%. Uh, he's the toughest test for me by far. I, I, as I said, just look at the operators he's been in with. Uh, obviously, he knows his way around the boxing ring. He knows how to do the rounds. He knows when to put the gas on, when to put the gas off. 
Uh, he's going to be experienced in, in the fight, obviously fighting for two world titles. It, it won't be afraid by the atmosphere. And I said, obviously, on the show, what it is, I think it's going to bring bring an entertaining fight because we all know what I bring. Uh, we all know bring, I'll bring it toe to toe. And then he's a Mexican, so I am expecting he throws a lot of punches around. He throws, his output and punches is high. So it could be, it could, it could be a, total, a total and tough fight for me. But at this level where I'm at, uh, this is what I'm in for. So I'm ready, for, I'm, re- I'm ready to step up. I'm ready to show people I belong at the big stage. And of course, your last outing, you boxed another Mexican, um, you know, a little kind of taster of what it's like to box those tough Mexicans out there in Las Vegas again last time out. So uh, that was good prep, really, for for this kind of fight, I'm guessing. Yeah, but last time out was the worst performance of my career by far. Uh, I don't even look at that as by far the worst of this player I think I've put on the boxing ring. I come into camp for six weeks out. I was over two and a half stones overweight. It was more of a fat loss uh, camper. And uh, to be honest, I was judged well to make the weight to fight. It was more draining than anything. And especially with, I brought me hand in the second round in that fight, which is no no secret. Everyone knew about that. So it was it was, a, it, was it was good to get through the round with one hand. And I had to fight through it, but as I said, this time around, uh, I made weight comfortable. I'm on weight now. Everything's been done properly by the nutritionist. Strength, um, strength and conditioning have been fully focused. Yeah, I took this, obviously, I've had to take it 100% serious. And I'm, I'm expecting for everyone to see uh, a world level and a world fighter, a world operator fighting in me. And I want to show people belong at the uh, top of the tree. And like you mentioned, you know, this is for your WBC international title. You're, you're ranked number 10 currently. Are you, you know, kind of eyeing up the likes of Gary Russell, obviously, being the champion? Have you kind of had one eye on him, obviously, boxed on the weekend as well, just gone? Yeah, listen, I have my eye on all world champions. You know, I mean, my target is to be a world champion, so obviously you keep an eye on it. Obviously, I'm, I'm well highly ranked in the WBC now. I probably will get through this next week and all being well, I'll, be, I'll get move on the rankings even more. Uh, so obviously, the WBC is the route, but then obviously, there's uh, three other world champions up, up there, so I can, uh, you know, I'll go down any route I need to do to get a, a world title. Do you know what I mean? As long as I keep winning and keep winning and doing what I'm doing, then uh, surely by the end of the year. So... Yeah, I think Gary Russell is going to be vacating that title pretty soon. So, like I said, in here you move up the rankings, and perhaps an opportunity will arise um, for for the for the green belt, which we all know is the best one. Um, I want to get your take on a bit of news that broke earlier today. Obviously, Josh Warrington parting ways with Frank Warren. He's now back with Eddie Hearn. Um, you know, there's that fight with him and Shakur Stevenson being talked about. Should that happen, Isaac? Not quite sure if it's going to end up in the UK, but should the fight happen regardless of where it ends up? How do you see that fight playing out? Yeah, first of all, I'm sure. I don't know what's happening with Josh and Frank, right? But it was a bit of a shock. But listen, if uh, Josh needs, he's obviously wants that unification fight, and, uh, and he couldn't really make it with Frank on his contract coming into a better deal with uh, Eddie. He's got to do what is best for him, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? At the end of the day, it's his career, you get one chance at this, and he can do whatever he takes to get done. But the fight, obviously, we know he's uh, Shakur is very, very. Well, well, he's beaten these boxer like a male. But one thing, what Josh and everyone, uh, I've spent spent many rounds with Josh Warren and sparring with him. Josh, Josh is very underrated as a boxer. He puts good pressure on you. Obviously, we all know he's out there. His flows of punching, put, uh, punches is unbelievable. His fitness and stamina. And I think, I think back in the UK, I think uh, Josh beats him because I think a young kid, a young Shakur coming over the atmosphere and leads. 
and, uh, and I packed my man Josh all the way, do you know what I mean? Like, Josh is a very, I've said this from day one, when the Carl Frampton fight got made and all this, Josh Warren is a world-class champion. Uh, and once he, he, he's very good in what he does, he's a very clever boxer inside the ring, uh, and he hits a lot harder than what people think. And, uh, yeah, I, I, as I said, back over in the UK, I would fancy Josh to beat Chico. Hopefully we do see the fight, mate. It looks like it will happen. That'll be a brilliant fight. But talking of brilliant fights, you're out there, like I say, in Vegas. You're with Tyson. You're, you're part of the camp. Him against Wilder. Um, how is how is the big man at this stage, obviously, not far out from the fight now? Yeah, Tyson's on fire. Uh, as he is always in, in, in every camp he has, it's no different with Tyson. He's, he's never finished the camp and never been 100% ready. He's 100% ready in every fight he goes in. Uh, there's no excuse for us. We don't we don't lie. We don't leave no on term. Uh, so Tyson's ready. He, he's big. He's strong. He's fit. He's thrown double the amount of punches what he throws in, in usual fights. Uh, he's hitting ten times of at least ten times as hard. He's been learning with Sugar Hill, planting feet more, letting his shots more move and reflection. Just doing the basic things again. And I'm expecting obviously Wilder to be a better Wilder, but it, can Wilder get any better than what he already is? He's 35. He, he, he does the same thing every day. Every fight looks that right hand. But uh, I think it's going to be a different fight this time around. And trust me, don't be shocked if Tyson does not come out early. We'd love that. We we certainly would love that. Um, obviously, you know, in Britain, everyone, everyone, you know, was right behind Tyson. It was a real emotional fight. That one, uh, you know, the first fight that they had. Everyone kind of got to know Ben Davison as well. Obviously, he's no longer part of the team like that. But. Um, how is how is Tyson looking under Sugar Hill Stewart? Obviously, a guy that we don't know tons about back here, you know, in in Britain. Yeah, he's doing perfect. Sugar Hill's an old school fighter, old 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 school coach. Was uh, obviously nephew of Manuel Stewart. So he's been around the great great trainer like him. He's picked up things, and obviously Tyson worked with him in the past. Uh, he's more like obviously picking your shot, getting your balance right, getting getting you strong on your feet, unloading, moving. Uh, they've been working well on oh, no, obviously we've got Andy Lee in camp uh, so that's an extra pair of eyes too so what Sugar hasn't been seeing that Andy's been picking up on other things so Andy's been doing like, bits of things with the movement and that I'm, I'm chat ranger so expect as I said expect an exciting fight which it's going to be they're both going to be coming from bombs I made a best man win because that's it we're not leaving to go to, to leave to go to the judges this time and I don't think Wilder wants to leave it to go to the judges so I think someone's going to get KO pretty early. Let's hope it's Wilder. Let's hope it's Wilder. I'm with you on that one, Isaac, for sure. Just finally, my man, if you've got any closing words just before we let you go, like I say, it's been quite a while since we last caught up. Um, just have your say if you've got anything at all you want to say to the listeners before we let you go. Yeah, just everyone tune in February 22nd. It's going to be, I'm going to start the party off with fireworks. It's going to be a hard going to fight for me, but one I'm confident coming through. And obviously we all expect what uh, what Tyson's going to do. And just get behind us because we're doing it for Britain. Uh, we'll get bringing these belts on 100%. I want to thank you everyone who's supported me and followed me in the journey and that. And just keep keep sporting. And we're really doing our best, putting our lives on the line. Uh, just for the fans, really. So everyone tune in, enjoy it, and uh, have fun. I'm sure we all will be tuning in. Listen, Isaac, it is always a pleasure catching up with you, my man. Best of luck for Feb 22nd. Of course, I'll be watching, and I hope that we can catch up sometime right after. God bless you, mate. God bless you, pal. Nice talk to you. Have a good evening. 
Okay, and this wraps up episode 226 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. If you've stuck with me, then thank you so much for doing so. It has been quite lonely. Of course, a massive thank you to our two guests on this week's podcast, the former two-weight world champion, Jesse Vargas, and the undefeated featherweight contender, Mr. Isaac Lowe. Once again, I do apologize for the sound quality during the Isaac Lowe interview. Um... You know, it's it's one of those situations where you're doing the interview, everything sounds absolutely perfect, and then when you play it back afterwards, it's 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 messed up, you know. So uh, I apologise once again. There has been one or two pieces of news break whilst I've been recording the show. That news is that Oscar Rivas has signed a promotional deal with Top Rank, and Isaac Chamberlain has signed a promotional deal with Mick Hennessy. Um, Isaac's been incredibly inactive recently, so... Honestly, I think that move is a bit baffling as Mick Hennessy's stable are all very inactive, but apparently he's going to be boxing on the Richards vs. Pitters undercard and then he'll be back out again a few weeks after that um, on on an undercard of a, um, a fight card that, that Mick Hennessy is announcing, I believe, tomorrow. It's supposed to be a big card, so that'll be interesting to see what that is. But, um, yeah, that's about everything from me. Enjoy your weekends, people. Thank you all for listening once again. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.